Hello, this is Monocle Reads. I'm Georgina Godwin. My guest today is Thomas Eriksson, a Swedish behavioural expert, lecturer and best-selling author whose first book, Surrounded by Idiots, was a runaway hit, selling millions of copies worldwide. In his research-based new book, he helps readers understand what makes narcissists tick and, more importantly, how to handle them without wearing yourself out in the process. Surrounded by Narcissists or How to Stop Other People's Egos Ruining Your Life is a thought-provoking, sanity-saving book that provides an insightful guide in pursuing a lighter, more fulfilling and successful life. Thomas Erickson, welcome to Monocle Reads. Thank you so much. It's such an honour to have you here. As I say, your books have sold millions. You are just the hot ticket all over Europe right now. So oh we feel... dear, oh dear. <laughs> well, we feel very pleased that you've had time to come into Monocle, so thank you. Of course, of course. It's a pleasure um, to be here. Now, I wonder, we were just talking about academics and so on, mm-hmm. and I wonder how you became this world-renowned expert on human behaviour, because you really are. Well, I'm interested in this. I am not a psychologist, I'm a behaviorist. Big, huge difference, especially if you ask the psychologists, <laughs> to be frank. I'm not a professor or even a doctor on this topic. But a behaviorist, well, we work with the things that we can see. What you can see and what you can hear and the things that you can actually experience while just being observant. And I'm, for 30 years, been very interested in how we are behaving, how we are acting and how we are communicating with each other and why things work really well sometimes and sometimes it really doesn't work. I mean, early on in my career, I took on my first managing position at the age of 24. I was a good salesman, so I said, take me, which they for some stupid reason did really bad choice. I didn't know what I was up to. And long story short, after a year, I, I told my managers, managers, two levels up, you have to take me out of this equation. I don't know what I'm doing. He said, you better stay put, Sonny, because your manager is even worse. <laughs> he, he's not even here. Finally, I managed to get out of there because I messed things up completely, totally. And then the HR department reached out and said, hey, fancy a personality test now, would you? And I said, sure, I'm, I'm a willing learner. Of course, I want to learn more about myself. And they gave me a questionnaire. I answered a lot of questions and they gave me, they handed me this documentation about me. And that was an eye opener. Some people say, oh, was this your aha moment? But it was more of my oh no moment. <laughs> I said, is this me? Is this what you see when you meet me? And they said, uh-huh, want to talk about it. I, I better do it was a disaster. It was crazy. It was, it was true. But it was certainly painful. And that put me on track to say, maybe I should investigate myself a little bit. Maybe I should build my self-awareness without, you know, judging other people too much. So it started really, really early. I'm still struggling with this, actually, adding knowledge about myself, I would say, on a yearly basis. So, What was the worst thing that it revealed about you? Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> The worst thing, uh, which one of them, <laughs> all of it was the worst, the worst thing. Now, mostly it was I was talking all the time. People who know me who might hear, they say, well, what's new? <laughs> you haven't changed that now, have you? But I can be quiet. I was a proper poor listener. Seriously, I didn't pay attention to anybody but myself. I think the biggest mistake I was doing, I never considered this issues whatsoever. I never said to myself, hmm, I wonder what people are thinking when I present myself to the room, so to speak. How am I sort of conducting myself in, in, in front of other people? I didn't ponder this. I didn't sort of reflect on it. at I just was. And that's not good enough if you're going to manage 13 other poor people, actually. So, uh, 
mistake number one, you know, wake up. Yeah. You know, wake up and sort of be there mentally, not only physically. This book, Surrounded by Narcissists, it has also come out of the series that you started with, Surrounded by Idiots. Who's the idiot in the title? <laughs> <laughs> Who is the idiot, really? That's, of course, the right question. <laughs> the thing is this, when I was young, the idiot was easy to define. People who agreed with me, good people. Those who disagreed, they were the idiots, basically. So it was easier before. It's so much easier to be, be young, I think. No, of course, the title is uh, phrased using irony, which I guess, well, almost everybody understands. Some people email me and say, are we calling each other idiots? 2022, we haven't reached, reached any further. And I think, well, okay then. <laughs> But, you know, the idiots are the ones we don't understand. We've all been in meetings where, when, when we leave, we, we feel, we have the feeling of being surrounded by idiots because I am the only one who gets it. Am I the only one who's paying attention to what is happening, what is going on? So the idiot is just a feeling. But, of course, there isn't very many idiots out there. But there is a lot of people who isn't like you or who isn't like I am. And that is okay. In order to decrease the number of idiots, the only thing you have to do is to understand more about other kinds of behaviors. When you do that, you realize people are actually not stupid at all. Sometimes you find the idiot in the mirror. Happened to me once. Didn't end happily. <laughs> Before. What happened? Well, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> okay, well, talking about looking in the mirror, yeah. uh, Narcissus, of course, mm -hmm. the uh, Greek god who, who died, I think, staring at his own reflection in a pond. He, I think he rejected Echo, didn't he? What was the myth? I can't One of the, well, the myth has been described in several ways, but, but uh, in general speaking, the way you said, he, 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 viewed, his own, he viewed his own, own image uh, in the lake. And he was so beautiful and so lovely, so he couldn't he couldn't take his eyes away. So he actually starved to death, basically. <laughs> and that's that's not. Good. I'm not. La I mean, I am laughing, but uh, it's it's a it's a serious thing. And so is the state of narcissism. Mm. So let's start then by describing what a narcissist is. A narcissist is somebody who whose ego is too big for the room. It's somebody who is so self-centered. It's self-centeredness and self-focus on steroids. People who start every sentence with the word I. People who actually think they always are right, even how silly that may sound. They think they are entitled to, to 100% of everything all the time. And everybody around them are a bit stupid because they don't understand how important this individual is. They feel seriously, literally, that they are on top of the food chain. They are the best, the most beautiful, the most fantastic, enjoyable, lovable. They are just, you know, God's gift to mankind, mm. if I may put it that way. Of course, it's a completely stupid idea because no one is like that. Not even, you know, who is like that. So they are sort of in their image of, of and they are their own God, let's say. Mm. And they are sort of mirroring themselves in, in some sort of perfect image. The problem with narcissists is that everybody else sees them for what they really are. Just an ordinary guy or an ordinary girl who claims to be, you know, fantastic. We can see their flaws and we understand this is just like anybody else, but they actually can't see this. Mm. And they make other people's lives a misery. They do this because they demand you to treat them like, like uh, princes and princesses. They act in a way a little bit like, like uh, kids, you know, like a two-year-old. Throw a tantrum when they don't get their, their will. When people say, you can't have that, they're going to lie on the floor and yell and shout, you know. You can see this all over 
you can especially see it on social media these days, people yelling and shouting because people are disagreeing, which I think is a natural thing. has nothing to do with opinions, has nothing to do with attitudes too and what's right and what's wrong. But if you don't agree, I'm going to yell at you mm. because you have to agree because I am right, because I am the best. I am the most important people right now in this very room. When I give lectures on this topic, people shake their heads and say, you know, What are you talking about? Because they haven't met a real narcissist. But this actually happens. And when you have met one, you will be amazed and you will be a bit scared also. Mm. When you realize they will try to manipulate you into whatever to get their will, to, to make you do what, what they want you to do for them. Because the rest of us, we are assets for them. We are just resources that they can use or misuse in any way. Because again, they are entitled to this according to themselves. Mm. Is it a mental illness? No, it's not a mental illness. They are not crazy. They can't be cured, they can't be treated because it is a personality disorder, exactly like with psychopathy. It's a personality disorder. They are born with it mostly. Mostly, I'm going to come to why I said mostly. You can actually mess it on a brain scan. You can see in the amygdala, you will see some white spaces. Uh, for instance, the amygdala does one thing. It regulates uh, stress. It does more than that, but you know, and flight and fright uh, reactions and those things. They don't have this. They don't feel stress, actually. Exactly like a psychopath. They don't feel this because, you know, they are born with these this, uh, traits. Therefore, you can't treat it. There is no drugs. And in Sweden, they tried to send both psychopaths and narcissists to, to therapy in the 70s. That only made things worse because... Firstly, they got trained in how to act around other people. They got explanations on why people are weak and you shouldn't treat people badly and so on and so forth. So they just learned more ways to get their way, if I say it like that. And uh, why would you want to be treated? I mean, let's say that you're a wolf. Why would you like your claws, you know, sharpened down, you know, and clipped and, and your teeth are torn out? Why wouldn't you like that feeling of being on the top of the food chain? So there is no treatment. And then we come to the scary thing. Narcissistic traits. You can see without being a narcissist, you can actually act like a narcissist because you are getting used to it when it's not a personality disorder. But if people treat you from your early years, from when you are a small child, they treat you like a prince or like a princess all the way up through, you know, your teenage adolescence and when you're a young, young person at your first job and you have received anything you pointed at all your life, then you're going to be a pain in the you-know-what when you get mm. starting to work somewhere. Because you will still expect people to treat you like like a, uh, you know, like some sort of messiah, which you are not. So this is sort of a narcissistic behavioral traits that can be shown by people who are not, clinically speaking, narcissists. And this we can see spreading all over the society as we speak. Actually, you can see it here in the UK, you can see it in the US, you see it in Sweden, you see it everywhere in the industrialized world. It's so easy to put yourself in the center of anything these days. And this is going to be a problem. It is a problem already. So a, n- a narcissistic culture, basically, that's on the rise. Yes, definitely so. has been going on for 12, 15 years, perhaps, I would say. Driven by social media? A bit of it. That's one of the reasons. I'm not blaming social media, but it's actually it's actually uh, fueling these types of behaviors. There has been some interesting studies done in the U.S., and I know we are not in the U.S. now. I understand that, but the differences are are not that big. I think when you can see that narcissists 
are really doing well on Instagram, on Facebook and TikTok and so on because they have exactly the traits that will be drawing attention to them. They know exactly how to make people interested and curious about them. It helps to be a narcissist when you're using social media. That's mm. for sure. When you were talking about sort of how you can take on narcissistic traits and basically saying that if people are told they can have anything, they yeah. grow that way. It has often struck me as as a parent and looking at other parents that people are saying to their kids, yes, go for it. You can be absolutely anything. And I've often quietly thought, well, no, you can't. Clearly, you can't. You can obviously not be anything. I mean, that, that it, it's really... I have two kids. They're grown-ups now. One is a chef. My daughter is a, is a hairdresser. Okay. They are doing what they love. I have never told them... Okay, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here, but I have never told them, you can be anything. I have told them, you can be much more than you think you can be. If you work really hard and you actually put your mind to it, you can be quite a lot. But no, you cannot be anything. If you want to go into basketball and you're sort of 150 centimeters tall... You won't make it. It's nobody's fault. You can maybe be a Formula One driver. But if you're two meters tall, you can't be a Formula One driver because then you're too tall. Yeah. What are you going to do? You need to find an environment where whoever you are and whatever you you know and whatever skills that you might have, naturally, find where you fit in the best and do the best you can. But you can certainly not be anything. It's a stupid idea. And people, parents who say that, they are actually lying to their kids. Mm. And I don't think that's fair. There's a great chapter on, with, with diagrams on car design, which sort of leads us to equating narcissism and aggression, really. <laughs> That's a personal theory, which I can't prove scientifically at all. But if you, if, if you, if you compare car grills from the, let's say, late 80s and until, you know, uh, early 2020s, let's say, they look bigger, broader. You can see teeth, you see angry eyes, you see definitely more aggression. I noticed this. I'm a bit of a petrol head myself. I noticed this just out of curiosity. I was thinking, let, let's compare an Audi and, and, and a Mercedes and a Ford and you know Toyota, whatever. If you look at them, you can, you can actually see what I mean. A Toyota or even a Volvo, where I come from, they look mad and they look dangerous mm. today. They didn't do that 30 years ago. It's true. They were I, all round and friendly then. Yeah, you they? know, kind of course. I had a car <laughs> My, my daughter called the happy car. It looked like a smile. These guys are showing their teeth, these guys. These cars are showing their teeth these days. And I understand it makes you feel cool behind a wheel, you know, but is it really good? I don't think it's very. It's a very lovely design, but, you know, I'm not discussing taste here, but, but uh, it's an observation. I can't prove anything with it, but I think it's fueling aggression a little bit. And it is talking about how all of that is absorbed into the collective self. I mean, yeah. you talked a little bit about the rise of a narcissistic culture. Mm. And I wonder if there is collective narcissism. Collective narcissism also exists. It's not a very well-known term. There's been some studies going on when it comes to this. What it actually means is if you put together let's say, enough people who might be, let's say, open to act in a certain way as a group, sort of a herd of, of not necessarily, again, clinical narcissists, but if you, if you help them, you sort of fuel their anger or their disgruntlement about whatever it might be. You can sort of form a sort of a pack with people who will be mad as, you know what, and you can really, really 
fuel anger and you know and disappointment war. and war also. And you can see this. I mean, cancel culture is probably one of the the signs of this because some people are sort of gathering up. We're going to destroy you because you said something we dislike. We really hate you for saying this or that or whatever it might be. I'm not talking about the topics yet. That doesn't really matter because you can see it all over the place. But they are sort of gathering together and so they're sort of fueling each other's anger and sort of fury and, and sometimes even hate, actually. And they decide to take somebody out. So they will do this. They will send emails, you know, and harass people online and whatever it's going to take. And that is not a normal behavior. Mm. You wouldn't, you know, gather 5,000 people and knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, we don't like you. We want to talk to you about what you're doing, what you're up to. That's not going to happen, you know. And I understand why people get scared when they see this, this sort of pack, if you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but some of the behaviors we can see online are not good. Mm. What about our leaders and examples of narcissism in leaders? I mean, I wonder if you have to be a narcissist to want to be a leader. Uh, hmm. I don't think you have to. I think it can be helpful for you to sort of distance yourself from, from criticism and, and, and from things. And again, some people are charmed by people who show self-confidence. Self-confidence is a very attractive personality trait. If you see a leader, a political leader or a CEO or or something like this, he or she will show self-confidence. And we will say, that's a good person. So he looks really strong, you know, and powerful. And that's really good. A narcissist does this very easily because it takes nothing and stand up, you know, on the balcony and waving to the crowds. So say, I am here. I will now save you. And as we know, usually they don't, <laughs> basically. Probably at the end of the day, people will, will understand who you really are because you will start acting in a really, really strange way. Like saying COVID can be cleared by drinking bleach, for instance. <sighs> That's a really strange comment, isn't it? <laughs> I know who said that. I'm not commenting on certain individuals because half of your audience will probably hate me for that. But sometimes <laughs> you hear things you actually can't put it together. You can't wrap your head around it. How, how did you come up with that idea? Mm, mm. It's so silly. How do you say you won an election when you very clearly lost? I mean, these do seem to be classic traits. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's fueling our society is fueling certain types of individuality, let's say. And I think that is really, really bad. On the other hand, if you want to stay in, in the game, if you want to compete in the race, you can't be ordinary. You can't be just some bloke, you know. Yeah. So that a bit is, of self-esteem is good, though, then? Self-esteem is good, but it can go too far. Self-esteem and self-awareness and, you know, these things overconfidence is a bad thing because then you're going to start to make really bad decisions. Mm. And you've got to hurt people around you. That that's that's bad. So I mean, anybody listening to us so far might be alarmed, thinking that they recognise themselves. You do actually have a test in this book. Yes. And people can self-diagnose. Absolutely, absolutely. People can self-diagnose, and uh, of course, a true narcissist would never do that because I really know who I am and uh, you're just an author. You're probably stupid. I'm not going to take this test. <laughs> but regular people like you and I, we will take the test and find, oh, oh, good God, I'm not a narcissist. If you think, oh, maybe I am the narcissist, that's usually a positive thing. That's usually a, a health sign. You're probably not a narcissist if you think you are because they don't think like in, in these kind of terms at all. Psychopaths, exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, as I said, are a best-selling author. Mm. This book has gone around the world. People all over the world have been taking this test. Yes. And I wonder if the results vary by nationality. 
Well, I don't get to see the result, to be honest. There is no, no report system here. When it comes to the industrialized world, people are much more similar than they are different, actually. I've seen this from, from uh, Surrounded by Idiots when it comes to the disc profile, as we started to talk about. Uh, people are, are literally emailing me from all the continents, including the Antarctic, which is kind of weird. <laughs> I try to see where that came from. And they say the same thing. They reflect on the same thing. They ask me exactly the same questions when it comes to personality styles and all this. Narcissism is more trait that is more common in the Western world, if we say sort of Western Europe and the US and so on. It's less common in Asia because it's not okay to be a narcissist there in the same way because there are more collectivists. It's more okay here to be an individualist. So here you will actually gain from being a narcissist. There they just, you know, put a thumb in your eyes and you sit down and you be pretty well be quiet, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't talk, <laughs> don't speak. <laughs> How do we change then? And how do we help other people to change? Because as you say, narcissists probably wouldn't recognise themselves. But no. if we want to have a nice life next to somebody, possibly whom we love, who we suspect of being a narcissist, how do we help that? You can't. That's the sad reality. You cannot change another person. You cannot change anybody else anywhere, anytime. You can change yourself, but you cannot change somebody else. It's the wrong answer. I'm completely aware of that. However, you can't change people who are not narcissists. They can change themselves if they want to. If you could provide good, strong, solid evidence that they are definitely on the wrong track, they might consider it. When it comes to a narcissist, it's like saying to a cat, you shouldn't hunt mice, you know. You shouldn't uh, chase down the mouse and, and eat it. Why are you doing this? Well, I am a cat, you know. This is what cats do. How would you take the hunter out of the cat? Answer, you cannot do that. It is actually a very good metaphor. Narcissists are like cats. They look at you and they can look cute and all of a sudden the claws are out, you know, to scratch you in your face if, well, for some reason they don't like what you do. But you can't make them not being a cat. It's impossible to make a dog out of a cat. Mm. You just have to go away. You have to just, you know, leave the room. But you do give some, some ways in which we can help ourselves. If you strengthen yourself by learning who you are, if you build your own self-awareness, Usually, psychologists like to say it a bit like this. If you build your self-esteem, meaning your perspective of you, how you view yourself, how you look at yourself and who you are, and you learn to respect yourself, you learn to, well, like and maybe even love yourself. I mean, in a natural, positive way. I don't mean this self-centeredness and self-loving, <laughs> narcissistic way. <laughs> but you learn actually to enjoy who you really are then you are a bit protected from narcissists because you are okay. When they say that you are not okay, you won't believe them. Mm. And so you will sort of just kick them out and say, no, you're not the one for me. That is the best thing they can do to work on yourself. But I will repeat the following. You cannot change somebody else. You can only change yourself. So interesting. What's next for you? The next book that will be published here in, in the UK is something called Surrounded by Vampires, mm. meaning energy vampires. The people who enters the room and, and all your fuses go bam like this and you think, oh no, it's one of those days. Yeah, where they suck all the joy and they, life out of you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I had great it, fun writing that book. Actually. Really? I would have thought it could have been quite depressing, couldn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, guess, I guess it can, but I, 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 I enjoy myself doing this and I do a lot of fun research and I I use a sort of a light 
tone in my books. I use a lot of humor to make this topic sort of uh, enjoyable still. So, well, let's see. It's been out late summer, something like that. Well, this one, Surrounded by Narcissists, or How to Stop Other People's Egos Ruining Your Life, certainly is fun. It's really informative. It's wonderfully written. And I have to say, it opened some doors. Perhaps I would rather have stayed closed. <laughs> mm, I see, I see. <laughs> Thomas Erickson, thank you very much indeed for, for coming on. Surrounded by Narcissists or How to Stop Other People's Egos Ruining Your Life is published by Ebury Publishing, part of Penguin Random House, and is available now. You've been listening to Monocle Reads, thanks to the production team of Nora Hull, Monica Lillis and Andre Nikolai Pominchuin. And you can download this show and previous episodes from our website or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Georgina Godwin. Thank you for listening.